0: I did over 30 years in corporate multinational, out of which for 15 to 18 years I was either managing director or group managing director. So people ask me, so are you now a farmer? <laughs> um, and so part of what I'll present would indicate why I had interest in farming. Now, given my background, we had a mantra, uh, let's treat agriculture as a business. Um, everybody says it but for me from my perspective i thought that i should look at the policy document which guides agriculture in the country so i I went to ministry of Agric and looked for their policy document which they call fasted out of which investing for food and jobs and all of that um, emanate and i realized that it's a very solid document literally acknowledges everything in terms of opportunities constraints where we are and where we want to go it is only in the area of implementation that we seem to have gaps and it's not just implementation but also stopping measuring and being truthful with ourselves as Ghanaians. is that this is truly where we are right so this is where we do have problems uh, but it's all being said. Let me just briefly talk about, I think we've seen a lot of statistics. And as a farmer, I, I, I don't want to risk going too much into statistics. Uh, but let me, let me mention that even in the midst of COVID, the agricultural sector still grew, which is commendable. Um, and in spite of the fact that agriculture has lost some glory, where it used to contribute over 30% of our GDP of our economy. Now he's doing about a fifth of our economy, which is still very significant. Next slide, please. In terms of its importance, and I'm just trying to situate the conversation, and that's why I'm giving just a little bit of background. I'm going to try to do all of this uh, within within 10 minutes or so. Um, We are aware that it's contributing in terms of exports If you add the other exports to cocoa, maybe around 3 billion US dollars in terms of its contribution and earnings. But um, I want to go specifically to some of the other emerging tree crops uh, which government has taken up. And we're talking about cashew. The global, global production of cashew, which is estimated to grow Around five six percent internationally or globally is about ten million metric tons. Ghana is doing just about zero point eight metric tons a year. So we're not nowhere near. Now when we I see gaps like this, I see opportunities. Alright. So we earn just approximately something around two hundred thousand, two hundred million US dollars, which compared to the global size of the cashew industry. We're talking of something around 10 billion US dollars. We're still scratching the surface. So it's one of the reasons why I decided to go into agriculture and to try to see what really uh, is in some of these categories. Um, I'm a mango farmer. In fact, on my farm, I have a 1,200 acre mango farm, which I started 17 years ago because I wanted to retire as a farmer. So I scaled up from three acres and as of today, I have 1,200 acres okay, of farm. Made up of three crops, some fish farming, I even do snail farming. And it's an, an area that we don't pay a lot of attention to, but very profitable. Uh, our farm is, is certified globally by Global Gap, Smeta, Fair Trade, because if you want to access the market, and I'll talk a bit about that, then you need to get your standards and your certifications right. Otherwise, you cannot access the markets, even, even including after, even within the African environment. So we have our certification. Now, today, I am aware that the global size, the demand for mangoes alone is about 90 billion U.S. dollars globally, anything around that. And Ghana is selling only 150 million U.S. dollars externally. Again, huge opportunity. The 200,000 hectares is, is just is using just, just about 150 million U.S. dollars, And there's a potential based on what a farm, a hectare can, can yield, there's a potential to take it up to about 1.5 billion U.S. dollars. OK? There are others like coconut oil palm we got some oil palm we do some maize we do all these categories because they are all very profitable and it comes down to agriculture unfortunately earns so much bad name but it is how you do it and what you do and the discipline and the planning um just to benchmark against our neighbors the Côte d'ivoire ends. A little over 16 billion u.s dollars from aggregate related exports and ghana does just about three billion at most we have a lot of catch-up to do i'm sure we even have better soils and better water sources than laco divoire so i'm just highlighting some of these opportunities for us as as a country please go ahead um it's a big source of employment um been said about half of our adult population are engaged in agriculture and when you live in the rural areas then you really appreciate the impact of agriculture on on uh, employment and incomes so talking about incomes and wealth creation i want to talk specifically about some of the numbers that i see i i don't believe in generic numbers and academic numbers these are real numbers for the past four years, I went on pension. I left as group managing director in Cadbury, looking after 20 countries or so in Africa. But I left and went to the farm because I realized I would make more money. And so that was my first shock. From I have a 500 acre mango farm. Now, just a quarter of it, 100 acres gave me over one million, two hundred thousand Ghana cities. Something I never saw as a so-called group managing director in my career. Never. Okay? It's real. So I invite people to come and have a look if they don't believe it. Kojo and a few other people have come and we showed them the evidence. Now, if you don't know, mango ends to the farmer something around 70% net margin. So when I made a million two hundred thousand Ghana cities, I had a net income close to 900,000 Ghana cities, Israel. So I found that money in my hands. And one of the banks had a foundry to call me and ask me why. We are anti-money on laundering. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> he said, we never saw this money. I said, oh, okay. Who is paying? They said, blue skies. And you are getting some money from extenders. I said, I sell mangoes. Okay. So that was it cashew, if you're a cashew far- farmer you can make 100% margin the return on investment when your cashew farm starts yielding is over 150% return on investment is real okay? maize that has about 30% especially now that we have so much demand our Sahelian brothers and sisters are coming across with trailers and carrying the maize and whereas it's hurting our food security as a country uh, a lot of farmers are happy because they're getting more income, all right? Um, snail farming, you won't believe it, about 300, 300% hmm, net margin and has export potential. There are Ghanaians who export snails to Europe, okay? Next slide, please. Um, I, just to talk briefly about industry and manufacturing. Um, it's a sector, as has been said, which is seeing some decline um, at 34% share of our of our economy. The manufacturing sector itself has not been growing. In fact, in the reality is that it's been declining, and 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 that is why government's efforts through the 1D1F is commendable. But we need, even beyond the 1D1F, some acceleration to be able to address the decline, because um, even with the, with the manufacturing, even with where we are, it's, it's the, the kind of global processing uh, companies, Nestle, Coca-Cola, Cadbury, etc., which are driving most of the manufacturing without them. But I'll show you very shortly why the big corporate food and beverage companies are manufacturing in Ghana because they are making money. I've been there, I've been CEO of most of these companies and I know the kind of margins they make. Next slide, please. So, in spite of everything we've said and the fact that the manufacturing sector is in decline and all that, job creation, right? There's abundant skill available. Many people are looking for work. There are always bad nuts. Most investors are afraid. Ghanaians are not honest and all of that. But it's a way of managing. I, I employ between one fifty to two hundred people on my farm. We've got some bad nuts but we have a way of changing their mindsets. Okay? So it is possible. Um so you can embed your values into some of these workers. Uh the incomes. Almost every international multinational will have to repatriate profits because the investment code allows when you make net income to repatriate, but because we, are, we have always been going concerns, when I was managing Coca-Cola, I was managing Cadbury's and all that, we would always leave some behind in the country, and so it makes it very important, and obviously manufacturing, as we know, adds value, um, and, and even supporting in market access. Next slide. Okay, so just to give you a few examples, on the commodity exchange cocoa sells for anything between 2500 US dollars to 2600 US dollars if you process the same ton of cocoa you can you can process it and add value and take the value up to about 4000 US dollars it's real and i'm not i'm not even talking about the second level of processing into confectionery, I'm talking about the first level where you you process the cocoa beans into the three de- derivatives of butter, cocoa, um, the paste, and then liquor. The three derivatives. You can add value. Now, if you process it further by adding other things and doing your conversion course, you can add, you can even double that value. So that's why we still have Serious corporate multinationals here. But why can't we, other investors, also go into these sectors? The numbers are there and they are very attractive. Now, despite COVID, uh, initially COVID disrupted supply chains around the world. Um, so we sell like fruits to Blue Skies, HPW, which is Swiss owned, they're based in Adesso. Um, and then we do direct fresh fruits to Europe. So we export mangoes. Now, we realized that after the initial disruption, there was so much demand for fresh fruits because everybody wants to improve immunity and all that. Now, I know that orange as a commodity, as a product, increased its growth, the Orangina brands and all that, to about 30% year on year. So huge opportunities there. I am part of a german trade office initiative called agriculture made in africa now what they do is to match farmers who are doing things properly to buyers in europe now i joined just for a year and to my surprise i had close to 10 potential buyers of mangoes from ghana from from various european countries so the markets the market is huge The big people are India and Brazil and all that, but there seems to be some preference for fruits coming from Africa. Next slide. Urbanization, I don't want to say a lot about this, but people are yearning for, because especially people in the urban areas, as the urban population grows, people don't have time, they want convenience. They're looking for processed uh, meals. And we've seen examples where small-scale Industries are really making it, and it's actually uh, one of the reasons we sell to ShopRite fresh fruits. Initially, I thought that we could not enter ShopRite, but I was wrong. We only needed to demonstrate discipline, quality, and supply reliability. So, currently, just about 26% of what the big supermarkets ShopRite game. Maxmart, Koala and all of them, what they sell is only about 26% which is made in Ghana and there is research which shows that. We can change it by doing the right things. Now AFTER definitely has opportunities, but what I realized when I read the AFTER document is that Ghana has to be extremely competitive to be able to move on. Next slide. So After everything we've said, one would expect that agro-processing and manufacturing will be a big accelerator of agriculture. Unfortunately, it is not. It's not accelerating our manufacturing and industrialization simply because the links are weak. They're weak simply due to a few challenges which I'll share very very soon and just so that and there may not be challenges that you may never have heard but it's important that we keep it within the dialogue just so that we keep it top of our minds as a country. Next slide please. Um, If you're going to uh, into agribusiness either as a farmer or into processing you will be confronted with issues of infrastructure. I have had to build a 15 kilometer road uh, I've not heard it. From the nearest town, nearest third road to where my farm is, as a private individual. Um, these things frustrate farmers a lot. They frustrate potential investors a lot. I mean, and this is a public road which should be built by government, but I-, I couldn't wait for the bureaucracy. I had mangoes to sell to Europe, so I had to find money to build it. And I'm sure that I may not be the only Investor. There are investors who have had to step beyond their mandate to do some of these things because we're not getting uh, government to do the right thing all the time. And I know that government resources are under pressure. Everything is competing. But if you look at the potential benefits of the agribusiness space, uh, government can pay attention to some of these. The Cocoa Road idea was fantastic. So instead of saying cocoa roads, we can just probably look at other income earning. Government is targeting about 10 billion U.S. dollars from the six tree crops and uh, planting for exports and rural development in 10 years. I think that for mango and cashew, we can even get it in about five to six years. And I, I can prove with numbers if a few things can be, can be sorted out. So it's time that maybe we look at infrastructure. It's a challenge. The lantern system, Madame mentioned it, is real. Yesterday, I had to send the police to chase some Fulani herdsmen and their cattle from my farm. It's real. Last year, they destroyed 1,000 mango trees of mine, and they are coming back. But I told them that were lying. This year, because they, at least they know when they hear we're lying, so I told them we're lying. And when I got to Accra last night. I was told that they already sent about three trucks, they're carrying some of the cows away. Um, so I won't tell you the source of our confidence, but we will not sit down for investment to be destroyed. So if you are determined, you can do it. Bushfire, you can prevent your farm. One farmer is negligent and his farm gets burnt and he's shouting no. It's an issue, but it can be done. So in terms of um, a couple of suggestions, I am aware of the land administration uh, plan program, lap one, lap two. Unfortunately in this country, sometimes these things go quiet. Can we look at the recommendations as a people and implement? It talks about land banks, protection of farms by by nomadic headsmen and all of that. And sometimes there's legislation, but it's not been implemented so can we please look at all of these next slide please um if you look at um um financing and i don't want to belabor the point there is guess and and i've been pretty close to guess guess briefly is is the ghana government african development bank initiative to to provide funding uh, not direct funding but to guarantee funding by banks banks which are nervous about lending to agriculture so, and agro-processing. so GESA will guarantee the loan up to about 70% fantastic initiative the only reason why it's not been so popular to date even though they've given us some loans is that it's the cost of credit it's expensive borrowing money and something must be done about it so I've put some numbers there Ghana's policy rate, that is the minimum rate that Bank of Ghana says you can lend at minimum, 14.5, is double the African average, which is about 7%. And so we probably need a special vehicle to be able to subsidize some of this. Morocco has 1.5%, the driving business, even La Cote d'Ivoire, 4.5%. Minimum lending rate to agribusiness. Um, I was in Morocco, government sponsored when I won the National Best Farmer Award, sponsored a few farmers. Oh, i was surprised at how organized they were about their agriculture and agribusiness. Uh, so, again, sometimes the banks cannot lend because farmers are illiterate. Not illiterate in terms of not knowing book, but not keeping documents. So, there's the need for some agency to begin to drive financial literacy so that documentation will be available to enable the lenders to lend some money to agribusiness. Next slide, please. Technology has been mentioned is real. I've had, I mean, I don't have, um, I don't have network on my farm, yet when I'm exporting mangoes, the buyers in Europe want to see every carton pictures. So sometimes I have to go and stand on a hill or climb some tree to be able to send a picture before <laughs> that. And it's really, these are very frustrating. So we, we can, I'm um, sure, so GIFEC, which is a government agency. I'm aware of the agencies, except that the cognition is what seems to be lacking. GIFEC is doing rural telecommunication projects. So it's about time that GIFEC begins to also target agricultural and local agribusiness um, areas. And so we, we, we head of uh, agricultural census. If the data is there, we should have the data so that it will help us with planning. Next slide, please. Operational costs. I've just picked out energy costs because I, I, I was in about five, six international corporate multinationals, and energy costs. Ghana is one of the highest, even within Africa. Whereas Ethiopia um, sells electricity at 2 cents per kilowatt hour for business. We sell it at around 13, 14 cents per kilowatt. I mean, there are other countries which are worse of. L'accord is over 22 cents and all that. But I believe that uh, the policymakers we have around can probably begin to think about it so that we can look at these and so that some subsidies can be granted to agribusiness next slide uh, market access technology um sometimes basic things i when i want to sell maize i refer to isoko data they have a data and they share Maize is selling at this price here so you know where to go okay when i was the ceo of cadbury and we wanted to send processed semi-processed cocoa to Nigeria in spite of the ECOWAS protocol the Nigerian customs officers said we are the customs officers here you cannot bring it and period okay it's been improved so um, we need to keep an eye on some of these things uh, I also realized that unlike me now I have full access I can sell to Europe my fruits Is because I've looked at quality and standards and certifications sometimes the farmers are not even aware of the expected standards and certifications even manufacturing entities I'm aware of some factories which have been built which could not run the way they, they should run simply because they probably could not do the thorough management it's good to build a house and put machines in but you need a working capital to be able to run that factory profitably and so it's important that we get all of these acts together I therefore suggest some regulatory control and standards even metrication let's measure if a kilo is this a kilo is this pricing guarantees but fast stock holding um, government has done well to build warehouses but you go to some of the warehouses and you don't find the beans and the cereals which are supposed to, to to be held there. Because the whole idea is to hold it and give some farmers some comfort before they can get a good price. Some marketing cooperatives can be encouraged, aggregators. But again, I come back to ACTA and, and the question I'm, the point I'm making is that we're going to get it serious. And I'm sure that it's been discussed. But There are some indices within the the AFTA protocol where we are very competitive. There are areas where we're not that competitive. And as a country, I think we need to look at it. It it holds a lot of potential for agribusiness, but to be able to tap it fully, we need to look at these. Um, The last one I'm I'm putting there on this slide, and I think after this I just have one more slide, um, is that sometimes I wonder, uh, what's the various trade trade deaths within the foreign missions do I know they say we have trade deaths but okay so fee is waving <laughs> so we, we need to because why should I struggle to go and talk to the um, the buyers in Europe there are even buyers from Lithuania who want to buy mangoes and there are European potential buyers I'll be seeing GIPC they want to do some joint venture because dry mangoes are in huge demand all over the world, and they want to come down and see if they can collaborate. The last slide, please. Okay, bureaucracy. I think we all know about it. Um, if you want to export fresh mangoes, you probably must go to about. You must go through about five, eight, or ten steps with international certification, if you have Global Gap, you have Global Gap. They come, they audit, they certify you. But in Ghana, you need to be a member after registering your business as an exporter of mangoes. You need to um, register as a member of an association, Rural Mango Farmers Association. So if there is none, you better go and uh, coordinate and get an association. Otherwise you can't. <laughs> you, need, you need some approvals. Um, from Ghana standards authority so that they, and, and some of them is understood so that the quality will be maintained but I think it gets overbearing Ghana standards authority you need to get some material residue certification, after you have done that then you have to go and see pprsd of of AGREC. you have to come and check on the same quality and then after that when you think all is done uh, you bring your goods to the, the airport, to air freight, and Bank of Ghana has to give you LOC, or whatever they call it. I think as a country, we need to look at duplicity, the issue of duplicity, and see if we can get some of these tasks which cross over and make it easier, one or two days, just so that people will be motivated to invest in agriculture and, and agribusiness.